0: I really feel like that you as a church have given me an incredible gift as I preach in the fact that you allow me to be transparent. You allow me to share with you successes and failures. And I say that because I'm not sure that all of my clergy colleagues have the luxury to fully be transparent. There's pressure on pastors to be perfect, or at least almost perfect. And I don't, I don't feel that you put that pressure on me here at Stockbridge First. I know that now is a very anxious time, a lot of uncertainty, and I am no different than any of you. I don't know the future. I don't know how this pandemic is going to end. But I do find comfort in the scriptures. I find comfort in God's word. Last week, we met Paul, Paul and Barnabas. Two of the early church leaders, as they moved their way around and began to start churches in what is now modern-day Turkey, and Paul was very strategic. One of his top goals in life, in fact, was to go to Rome and to preach the gospel. Paul knew that if he could reach the leaders in Rome, there was so much commerce, there was so much influence that was coming out of Rome that he believed he could influence a big portion of the world if he could just reach Rome. And so he had this dream, this desire. And we do know that Paul made it to Rome, but not as a preacher. He was a prisoner. In fact, Paul writes to the church at Philippi, what we know as the book of Philippians. He writes while he is under 24-hour arrest. He's locked up, awaiting trial week by week, month by month. He is isolated He is away from his support network. He does not know how it's going to end for him. He doesn't know whether he's going to be executed or whether this is going to be the end of his life or not. And so I say that to you because if anyone is feeling a similar emotion to what we are feeling as a country, as a nation, as a world, at this moment of time, ripe for anxiety... He could have been anxious, but we learn from Paul. Paul in Philippians, if you look at that text, Paul in the book of Philippians chapter four, he writes these words, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Out of a place where he could have been overwhelmed, he could have been overcome with anxiety, with angst, with tension, with weight, burden, He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. This is an amazing passage of scripture and one that if you've been around the church for very long, you have probably heard rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. But I acknowledge to you that this is a passage that I hate when someone quotes it to me when I'm in the middle of a difficult situation, right? You get two flat tires when you hit a pothole. You're stuck on the side of the road in the pouring down rain. You're an hour from any of your family. You don't know how you're going to get it resolved. And someone tells you over the phone, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Really? I mean, really, Paul? Under all circumstances, in all situations, rejoice always and take it more serious when you stop and think about you've worked for a company for 30 years and because of this unexpected virus you find yourself laid off rejoice you're stuck at home with all of your kids nowhere to go just looking for a few moments of sanity Rejoice. You're not able to sleep because you are stressed. And the anxiety is so deep and so real. Rejoice. It's out of this context that Paul tells us rejoice in the Lord always. And then the scripture goes on in verse 5. It says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, how could Paul rejoice when he's locked up? How could he how could he praise God when he wants to be a preacher, but he finds himself as a prisoner? And I think that the answer is simply perspective. Perspective just simply means how you see something. And we know this. In other words, you can look and think that two people can see the very same incident, but they see it completely different. They have different perspectives. The word perceive in Latin, it literally means to look through. If you've ever seen one of those images where you are supposed to look at at it, and then as you look at it, it begins to change or something inside the design becomes 3D or whatever it does... And they tell you the way to do that is to pick an object, to pick a spot, and then to look through it, stare at it so intently that the design changes. I think that's what Paul is saying in this text, is that we can look through the situation. Our perspective can be different. See, the Apostle Paul could have looked at this situation, and he could have looked at it at very face value. And then he would have said, well, you know what? This is bad. I mean, this is hard. This is difficult. I'm anxious. How can I possibly function because my ministry is over? My dreams are crushed. There's no way that I'm going to get to do what it is that I believe God is calling me to do. And I think so many times in our lives that... We face a situation and we look at it, what I would call the the bad perspective version of the Bible. I mean, Paul could have said that. Paul could have said, well, look, brothers and sisters, God has forgotten me. God has left me. I'm overwhelmed. I'm depressed. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And so I'm going to quit trying to start new churches. In fact, I'm not going to go to church at all. I can't function. I don't know what to do. And I'm not trying to minimize the situation that Paul's in or the one that we are in. But what Paul says is, I'm going to adopt an attitude of praise. I'm going to rejoice. And then I can look and see that what's happened to me has actually happened in a way that it advances the gospel. Because throughout the whole palace, everyone here knows that I am a prisoner of Christ, that I am a follower of Jesus. I may not feel good in the moment. But I know that God will never leave me. I know that God will never forsake me. I know that no weapon that is formed against me is going to prosper. I know that God is working all things for the good for those who love him. And therefore, I'm going to have an attitude of praise. I'm going to be able to see the fact that it actually helped the gospel advance to the people in Rome. I mean, think about it. He's locked up as a prisoner for eight hours every day influencing the guards I mean you can look at the very same situation and you can look at it from a very face value perspective or Paul would say you can have a perspective of praise and this is not the only time that we see situations like this occur in scripture We're looking at the early church. We're looking at the power of the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that one church can do anything. And so I invite you, if you've got your Bibles at home this morning, I want you to open up to Acts chapter 16. We're going to see Paul, but we're going to see Paul this time with Silas. And Paul and Silas are making their way to a prayer meeting. And along the way, they meet this woman who is possessed by an evil spirit. And they cast out the evil spirit. And so this fight breaks out and I want you to listen to the story. And if you've got your Bibles open, we're going to start in verse 16, Acts chapter 16. We're going to read from verse 16 through 24. And I'm reading from the New International Version this morning. But if you have a different translation, just read along with me again, starting in verse 16, it says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, I don't suggest that any of us are probably going to be stripped and beaten with rods during this week, but I do wonder if we are stripped of our confidence, stripped of our faith right now. Trying to have faith, but you're beaten down by anxiety. You're beaten down by doubts. You're doing everything you can to hold on to your faith, but the anxiety feels so real that you just can't press through it. Paul and Silas, they were doing everything right, and yet they were beaten and thrown into prison. I want you to just visualize for a moment. When you're reading scripture, it's good to kind of think about what's happening in the story. They're in prison. They're hurting, bloody. And you know what they decide to do? They decide to worship. That's what they did. It's it's the equivalent of finding out that your loved one has cancer, and you decide in that moment to just worship God. It's the equivalent of being in the middle of a pandemic, uncertain of what the future holds. But deciding in the moment to worship. It's a matter of perspective. So many times what I see people do is in the middle of a situation, they focus on what is wrong. And I encourage them to stay positive in those moments, but I also encourage them to focus on what is right. I mean, to think about we're all here today watching online because we are a community. We, we have a community of people around us. It's one of the reasons that I want you to engage with each other because we're here for each other. We will get through this together. You may have family. You may have friends. And I'm not trying to minimize the issue in any way. But I'm saying look at, the, look at what's right. Look at the whole picture Paul says in verse 25, or watch Paul in in verse 25, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. And I want you to notice this. They were praying, they were singing hymns while they were still bound up in prison. In other words, God had not delivered them from prison. There was no miraculous provision in this moment. There was no miracle. They were simply praising God, not for what he had done, but for who he is. It was praise before the provision. It was simply praise of the character and the nature and the goodness of God. It wasn't praise for what they had seen. It was a praise for who God is. Now, a spoiler alert, if you don't know this story, you don't know how it's going to happen, but we'll look at it in a minute. But I want you to understand in the middle of their praise, God is going to show up. And he's going to shake the cell with an earthquake and the doors are going to swing open and the chains are going to fall off. You may think, why am I telling you that? Because knowing what God has done, but also knowing what God did not do. Paul's in this prison in Rome and it brings more power to this passage where he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Because Paul knew from his experience the power of God to deliver him from the exact same problem. God could deliver him from prison, but God didn't. And Paul still offered him praise. Rejoice when he delivers you and rejoice when he doesn't. Because this praise is not praise for what we see or for the what. It's praise for who God is. It's a deeper sense of praise now I'll be honest with you i had several times over the last couple of days where I just didn't want to hear this passage of scripture I was cutting grass on Friday and I put my headphones on and I just turned on praise music and I will tell you it changed my perspective I mean my life calling I believe God has called me to offer you the congregation at stockbridge first message of hope and a message of joy a message of peace and if i can begin to understand that my struggle is your struggle all of a sudden there's a purpose connected to my struggle that god is able to use my struggle to advance the gospel So it's midnight, and Paul and Silas are praising God, and suddenly, boom, God shows up. When does God show up? He doesn't show up before. He shows up during their praise. Look at verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Can you visualize it? There's no visible reason to praise God. They are in jail. They are hurting. They are bloody. They are pained. They have no idea what's going to happen to them. And some all the way, some somewhere along the way, Paul turns to Silas and says, You know what? We're still alive. We still have breath. That breath is from God. Our God is still on the throne. Jesus is risen. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for us. Let's give him a little bit of praise. And those doors fly open and the chains come loose. You see, sometimes we need to understand that maybe the key to unlock the miracle is the sound of our praise. I want to invite you this morning. Who is God? What do we have God to, what, what do we know about God? What have we experienced about God that we can praise him for? And so I just want you to pause for just a moment and think about who God is. God is holy. God is power. God is strength. God is truth. God is faithful. God is present. God is spirit. God cares. God loves. God uh, redeems May we simply praise him. Not for what he's done, not for even what he will do, but for who he is. Because the sound of our praise touches his heart. Let us pray. Almighty God, we choose to trust you. We pray, O God, in this moment we give you praise for who you are we praise you for your breath in us we praise you that you will never leave us we praise you lord that you care for us and that in all things we can't we don't have to worry because we know you are there you are working you are moving we pray god for you to touch our hearts as our praise Touches yours. We praise you today simply for who you are. It's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that your church prays. And we all say amen and amen.